Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. But what is it about relationships? Um, we as human beings, we, we inherently understand the value of a, a relationship. We know, it's, we know it's important. You know, when you, when you kind of read, you know, accounts of people on their deathbeds and it's, you're kind of the rich and famous and they've got all the money in the world and it's their last breath and what are they saying? And they're saying, bring my family and my friends. They're not asking for money or spreadsheets or, you know, stuff to do with earthly things. They're calling for those that they are in relationship. They want their family and their friends around them. Relationships. Relationships, in the end, apart from knowing Jesus and calling other people to know Him, relationships are what really, really matter. And, um, you know, when we, um, I remember as a student, we'd have these relationship weeks. If you wanted people at the Corsesa to come to one of your chauffeur events, okay, you did a relationship week, okay? And then it's like, <laughs> you know, they packed the place and everybody's there. And everybody, I mean, those were the best sessions, you know, those were kind of where stuff happened there, you know, that was amazing ministry. You, you got people to, for, better, for lack of a better word, your, your event, you got people, it's, it's, it's a wonderful draw card, you know, I, I've inherited a, a minister, ministry there from um, Pastor Tiens, my predecessor at Franchuk, he started a prison ministry there, Drakenstein, the old Victor Fister, and um, and we've done a number of sessions since I've been there, and we've spoken about a lot of things. But about two, three weeks ago, we spoke on relationships. Man, you should have seen that place, you know. There was a buzz. There was like an electricity in the air. And there's just this, they, they got so excited about the fact that we, we're talking about relationships, specifically romantic relationships, you know. Then, then we had everybody's attention. And so relationships are important because they're important to God. And so this morning's message I hope I get through this quickly enough. It's titled, Help Him, Praise Her, and Lessons from a False Start. Help Him, Praise Her, and Lessons from a False Start. It sounds like a potential book title at some stage, doesn't it, Any? <laughs> Pretty weird. Um, but so let's go to the first scripture this morning. I think they've got that up there for you. It's in Genesis. And so we're at the Genesis of Genesis, the beginning of the beginnings. And, and Almighty God is creating. He, you know, he's making the heavens and the earth and the stars and the, and, the, and, the, and the skies. And He's making trees and shrubs and animals. And after each day, as He's creating, the Word says that God looked at it and it was good. Everybody say, it was good. It was good. And so He carries on day after day and He's creating and uh, it's incredible. And at the end of the sixth day, or kind of at the end of his work, verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and then there was morning, the sixth day. And so a lot of good stuff is happening, and I, I suppose that's, that's what we expect of the Lord. He's, he's perfect, you know, and, he, and he's creating things just the way he wants. Okay, For chapter 1. So, and then we jump over to chapter 2 here. Yeah? And suddenly we hit a snag, and we hear the following words out of Almighty God's mouth. It is not good. And I've kind of been meditating on this, and, and this kind of struck me. You know, God is creating everything. I mean, He's putting like the cosmos and I mean, the, the, the scientists and the people that look at the stars. He's putting, putting some pretty intricate things together. Do you understand? It's all working and planets are kind of moving in the right orbits and nothing's crashing into each other and trees are growing and animals are being made. It's, it, it's pretty, 
pretty amazing, okay? And it's good. In fact, it's very good, okay? And God is in charge, and he's making all of this stuff, okay? All of a sudden, God says, it's not good. Now, now, I don't know if that just strikes me, but it's like, God, how can anything not be good that you've made or that you're in, in charge of? You're kind of managing this whole process, okay? And, so, and something is not good. And look what's not good. Here's the problem statement. It's not good that man should be alone. That's what God's saying. It's not good that man should be alone. But he's God. He's got the solution statement as well. He says, I will make him a helper. Everyone say a helper. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You see, guys, from the beginning of time, us guys, we've needed help, okay? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I got one amen there at the back. It's true. It's true. We've needed help, okay? We still need help. Um, and so, yes, Adam, okay? God has made all these things, okay? Um, and specifically all these animals. Adam's first job is to give everything names, okay? And um, I kind of just went and Googled, you know, the, the word says he had to name everything on the earth. So all the beasts and the animals and the birds in the air. And uh, I, I kind of Googled how many species are there and says something like 8 million, 8 million species, okay? Now, let's just get some perspective here. I've got three kids, okay? And it took me on average about three months per kid to choose the name. <laughs> I, I drove my, my wife completely crazy because, you know, she kind of already knew the names. But, but for me, it's like a big thing. I mean, you're naming this kid. This is what people are going to call your child, as long as they live, it's a big decision, you know. And so I had long lists and medium lists and short lists and read all the books and was on the internet. And it was a big deal for me to name my children, okay. And it's because there's significance and you, you're speaking something over that kid each time you, 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 you know, you, you call, call your child that. Adam's got eight million to go, okay. We don't know, but just say according to sciencedaily.com. That's my source. I don't know if it's very legit, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, the point is there's lots of animals and birds to name, okay? And uh, he needs help, you know? And I can just imagine him and Eve, like, sitting there and, like, thinking, what are we going to call this one, love? And uh, and it's like, hippopotamus. It's like, who would have thought of the name hippopotamus? And then she'd be like, no, love, they're going to tease the the thing and they're going to call me hippo at school, you know? I don't don't know. Imagine, (laughs) Imagine what... All these names that they they were probably in... I don't know, did they speak science or Greek? Any would know or... Greek or Hebrew in those days. They had a lot of things to do. So Adam needed help, okay? That's, that's the bottom line. And God said, I recognize that need. I recognize that it's not good that you're alone. And you've got all of these things to do. Tend to God and look after my creation. I will make you a helper. I will make you a helper comparable to you, suitable to you. And so we pick up the story here a little bit further in, um, in Genesis um, and so the biblical story is unfolding, and we, we're kind of reading about the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, we, we get this beautiful count of the selection of a bride for the son of promise, for, for, for Isaac. And so I think there's a little picture there. Um, and this is actually kind of the meeting, and it's kind of the sun is setting, and um, this is as Isaac is laying hold, uh, um, laying his eyes on the the wife that um, has been selected for him. But there's, there's a story kind of preceding this. 
And the story preceding this is Abram calls his eldest servant into the house and says, I've got a job for you to do. You need to go back to where I come from. And you need to go and select a wife from my people. I don't want a Canaanite wife. You know how everything planned for your trip tomorrow? I said, yes. She said, how are you getting to the airport? I said, no, I'm catching a taxi. She said, why are you catching a taxi? You know, I'll take you. And... um, I'd, I'd been reflecting on this very scripture that we've just discussed now. And I knew one of the most precious things you can look for when you're looking for a potential wife or for a girlfriend or to look for in your, in your spouse, you know, is, is that she's a help. And a, a massive penny dropped for me that night when I realized that this girl, she doesn't have to do it, but she's willing to get up 4 o'clock in the morning, drive me to Oartamba, you know, go and sit with red eyes at work and... Um, you know, and just help me, and just help me. And so it was this amazing time that I knew my potential wife, this girl that I was checking out, this lady was a helper. God is into helpers um, when it comes to women. So let's go to Proverbs 31. And uh, in fact, there's one thing I wanted to say before that. So ladies, to help and be a helper to your husband, it's not a good idea. It's a God idea. To be a helper to your husband is not a good idea. It's a God idea. Gents, does that mean we sit on the couch and say, keep the beers and nachos coming? (laughs) No. Does that mean we don't help at home? No, 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 no. We help a lot. You know, my my in-laws, my squimpa, my squimpa, he's amazing. He's like me, okay? Um, Okay, that's this. This is all going to make sense in about three seconds. We fall asleep, okay, very early at night. Okay, sorry that that didn't come out right. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. We fall asleep at about eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. You know, um, I've got this saying: "My oogklappe hang so oor my oogballe." You know, it's like a kind of half half mast and. Uh, my wife is the totally opposite. She wants to talk at night, you know. So we have these very strange conversations after 8 o'clock at night because I don't really know what I say and I can't remember the next day, but we've had, you know, a lot of conversation. I've probably made some commitments. But sometimes we'll be talking. Sometimes we'll be talking. She hey, what fuck are I problem with you? You know, and then she's pouring out her heart. And then in the mornings, I'm like bright-eyed, you know, ready for the day, and she's sleeping. You know, it's just, I don't know. That's how God made us. We, we're completely different. So... I don't know. We I sometimes take power naps here between eight and half past eight, and then I'm ready for for the Twitterskoff, you know, at night. But my 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 father-in-law is the same, you know. We we both sit like this and like stare at you know, cross-eyed at each other at about half past eight at night. But I just at night when his wife is also awake, my grandma is just like my wife, you know. So then then we know we start doing dishes at eleven o'clock at night, and then we talk there while she's doing dishes and doing the things in the kitchen. Then we must talk. And uh, I've just, just seen so many times how he helps. He's tired, man. He's tired and his eyes are red, but he helps. And he sets such a beautiful um, picture. And now, you know, I'm starting to do the same at home. It's like just helping my wife, just helping her with the little things. You know? um, she does everything else, but I help with something. So, guys, just because the wife is called to help, it doesn't mean we don't help. Okay? 
Please, please, you mustn't misunderstand me. It's God's design that the woman in a major function, the way he's made, is, is a helper comparable to a husband. But husbands, we also help at home. Amen? Okay, I just wanted to clear that before they say I'm preaching funny doctrine here in your church. Any. Um, so let's go to Proverbs 31. It's a well-known um, section of Scripture. Um, the virtuous wife. I'm going to read that for us. I think it's on the slides as well. Um, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it's still night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. She considers a field and buys it. From a prophet's, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arm. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them, supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Man, there's a lot in there. Who can find a virtuous wife? My new King James Bible says that virtuous word means a woman of valor in the sense of all forms of excellence. And I don't know about you, but this sounds like superwoman. Hey? I don't know how many of the ladies are sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this, this is just not possible. The bar's just too high. It's a bit like watching Federer play tennis and, you know, half of us are like inspired and the other half just like, okay, I'm going to give up. You know? It's just, I think you read this and I mean, this, this woman's not even sleeping. She's planting vineyards. She's running businesses, looking after the kids and the servants and the poor. You know, she's making stuff with her hands, food and clothes. It is a picture of the perfect woman, you know. The point that I believe we need to take out of this beautiful illustration of a godly woman, all over there is written that she's helping. Okay, Ladies, that's why this first part, if you're wondering and you, you kind of, you think, what must I be to my husband? Or maybe you're sitting here this morning you're thinking, you know, I'm going to be married one day, a lot of young people here. What is the main thing that God, when God made the woman, what was the main thing that he, that he caused her? to be to the husband, it's to help. It's to help. And sometimes that doesn't fit. That label doesn't fit nicely in, in kind of 2017. You know? Does that mean that you can't be a CEO of a company? Of course you can. Does it mean that we're not going to have women pastors? Of course we're going to have women pastors. Does it mean you can't take the lead? Of course you can lead. You can do everything. But when, Amen. But when God... When God made the woman, the main thing that he asked her and made her for is to be a helper, a helper comparable to him. Amen? 
That's the first part of this message. Ladies, be a helper. Second, men, praise her. Wow. Praise her. Praise her. Let's go to verse 28 there of that scripture. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. So the children are getting up and saying, Mom, you're blessed. The husband joins him and says, My wife, you're blessed, and I praise you. Now, praise sometimes doesn't fit nicely kind of in our context. We think praise is reserved for God. But the word praise, Shabbat, that Hebrew word, literally means to speak well of, with exuberance and excitement and enthusiasm. You're just talking something up. He's all right there at the back. Okay. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so praise, praise literally means just to speak well of. And so the, 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 same, the same scripture that's speaking about the wife being a virtuous wife and, and all these, these, these help defines the role of the husband. It says, husband, you need to praise your wife. You need to speak well of your wife. And I get excited when husbands climb on the internet and on Facebook and say, man, I've been married for three years today. And my wife, and he writes this long thing on Facebook. I was like, yes. You know, we don't always have to choose public platforms. It's more important that your wife knows that you also praise her. Praise her at home first before you go on Facebook. But praise your wife. You know, it's, it's, um, it's so important. I'm going to do a bit of praising now. My wife, man, Jolene, she comes close to, to the Proverbs 31 wife. She's incredible, you know. And um, she's, got a, she's an analyst at a bank. She's got like too many degrees to count MBA from UCT um, she, she's running she's doing a full day job in half a day that's the arrangement that's how much favor she's got where she's working at this bank she's allowed to leave at one o'clock she leaves goes picks up the kid takes him to sport comes home does their homework puts food in the oven okay then she runs a business at night she's got this incredible baby business that's you know, she's doing single-handedly. The only thing I do is I, I carry boxes. I'm a glorified box packer, okay? I'm manual labor, okay? All the brains, all the marketing, everything. She figures out, I don't know, yeah, between 10 and 12 at night. Then she's packing boxes, you know, getting this business running. Now that we've moved to, to, to Franschhoek, half the people are more, half the people are lining up to see her. They want a woman. They want to speak. Now she's counseling ladies. She's doing all of this. In a bit of time, and then she needs to be a wife to me as well. Praise God, I got a, I got a Proverbs 31 wife. Amen. Give her a hand. <laughs> and so husbands, I'm preaching to myself this morning. We need to praise our wives. Speak well of your wife. Not just to other people. To her as well. Let her know that you're speaking well of her. And so this message is called, Help Him. Ladies, you had the long section, lots of words, romantic pictures. Gentlemen, I had one verse for you, because we don't take in much more than that, okay? <laughs> Speak well of your wife. We can say a lot of things about marriage. We could look at submission and in-laws and outlaws and sex and romance. and we could talk, You've probably spoken about all of this in your, your relationship week, okay? The two things I'm just leaving with, with you. Husband, uh, wives, help Help your husbands. Husbands, praise your wives. Praise your wives. Speak well of your wife. Speak well of your wife. Those are the, the first two points I wanted to make. The final point of my message is called Lessons from a False Start. And so Henny's asked me to, to share on, um, on something that I've actually never shared on from the pulpit. And um, 
I suppose, I suppose in one way I, <laughs> I am qualified to, to speak on this because I've paid some expensive school fees. And that would be at the school of hard knocks in life, okay? Um, and so 12 years ago, I, I went through a divorce and um, never thought that that would happen to me. Never in my wildest dreams. Divorce was never something that, um, that I ever thought would be part of my life and would mark my life. Um, and so from a young age, I had a desire to... Uh, See, these guys are all staring at me with wide eyes. Yes, it did happen. <laughs> so from a younger age, I, 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 I had a desire for a wife, you know. But I wasn't one of those guys who had a lot of girlfriends at school. In fact, I had no girlfriends. Eventually, my parents were, like, worried about, them, about me and saying, you know, when's this, this boy going to bring somebody home? You know, and it was kind of while well, I went through a whole school and, uh, you know, liked one or two girls at school. But I actually never really had a girlfriend until first year university. And in a sense, I waited, and I waited, and I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot for the right wife. And um, I met this girl, and, um, man, we, we, we kind of really, you know, um, we kind of hit it off. And there were many good times, you know. And we went out for 10 years, you know. She was four years younger than me at that stage, which at that stage in life, that's a big gap, okay. I'm going to share a lot of lessons with you, and hopefully you can kind of take something out of that. Um, but uh, there were many good times, but there were a lot of danger signs as well. And uh, I, chose to, I chose to ignore those. And um, let me just say this up front. A divorce is always two people's fault. It doesn't matter what happens, okay? Some people might, you know, say some had more to do with than the other. But a divorce is always the breakdown between two people. And... Um, so it's never just one, one person's fault. So the last thing I'm doing is, is, is standing and saying, I had no fault in this. I had lots of fault. Um, but um, I chose to ignore some signs over those 10 years. And over the 10 years, the, I, I kind of on a, a number of occasions had to fight off attention from other guys. I'm like, you know, why, why are you allowing this attention? You know, I shouldn't be fighting this off. And yet I chose to ignore those signs. And, um, and I had a kind of an Isaac moment one day when the Lord challenged me early on in the relationship, and he said, you need to break up with this girl. And, um, and in one sense, I, I tried to, but I never went through with it. And so the Lord did ask me to lay it down right up in the front, you know, before things got, you know, before you get to know each other, and obviously, you know, a person starts loving that person, and, 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 and you know, and time goes by, um, but I failed that Isaac challenge. In hindsight, I can see it. The next thing is, I looked for the wrong qualities. Looks was very important to me back in those days. Um, and it's not that looks aren't important in, in, in romance. Looks are very important. There must be a chemistry. There must be physical attraction. But you can't just look at looks, people. Trust me, that, that's why that scripture is saying, charm is deceitful, beauty is passing. Beauty passes. We all age. Look at me. All my hair's falling out, you know. <laughs> We age. It, it's, it's important. There must be a chemistry. But let me tell you, 20 years further down the line, I, I can tell you things like that she's genuinely a helper, like God has called her to be a helper, that she's loyal. Those things are just as important as looks. But in the beginning, I chose to ignore those things, and I, I didn't look for everything else Proverbs was talking about. I say, who can you know, kind of look good next to my side? And It's not the only thing I was looking for, but looks were important to me, more important than they should have been. 
at that stage. I, I made the wrong choice. I made the wrong choice. So we went out for 10 years, and uh, I got work up here in Pretoria. And, um, and uh, it was the first year after nine years of, of kind of going out that we were apart. And a lot happened in that year. In hindsight, she was, she was too young, um, and I think I hadn't given her enough space to just experience and, and become who she also wanted to be, you know, just to, to do her own thing. And I think in that, in that final year when we were kind of apart and I was up here and I could only fly down two or, two or three times that year because I was kind of earning peanuts in my first year, you know, um, we didn't see each other enough, and it's just not the same over the phone, you know, um, and so we kind of, in that year, kind of drifted apart. But I got to that point where I drove down, and it's like three days before the wedding, and the family's drove, driven and flown down from all over the country. A day before the time, I realized there's problems here, okay? And I can sense there's a hesitation. There's a hesitation from her side to go through with this. But at the same time, she needs to get married. She needs to come up to Johannesburg, and she find, has to f- find a new job. So I'm thinking like, you know, Ten years I've invested in this, you know, bought the ring. It's, it seems fine. Um, I've invested a lot in this. The family's here. Um, you know, she's, she's dealing with a lot of things. She needs to find a new job, new town. Needs to move to Gauteng, which is scary enough if you've lived in the Cape all the time. And I went through it. I chose to go through with the wedding. And she was excited about the wedding part, you know. But then soon afterwards, you know, kind of as the honeymoon finished and we kind of life settled up here in Gauteng, um, I could sense she, she, wasn't, she wasn't happy. And uh, the mistake I made was at that stage, I was so, so ministry-focused as well, uh, doing my job in the days, in the evening, teaching at Bible school and leading worship and, you know, just being busy with, with, with church things. And in the meantime, my first wife, she was drowning in a sense, and she, she wasn't coping. And... Um, and that feeling of that she didn't really want to be married just got reinforced and reinforced. And I wasn't, my eyes weren't open. I was focusing on the wrong things. I wasn't focused 100% on the marriage. I was focused on my work. And I, I thought my marriage was fine. And one day after church, a couple who was in charge of our marriage ministry came up to me after, after the worship and said, we need to speak to you. And I said, speak to me. And they said, we're really, really worried about your marriage and, and your wife. My wife is picking up some signs here. I'm like, you got the right couple here. You're talking, talking about me and my wife, you know. I was oblivious. I was oblivious. I, didn't, I wasn't seeing the signs at all. I mean, there was no big signs in a sense. We weren't fighting really, you know. It was just, I knew she, she wasn't really happy. But I mean, I was like, yeah, you know, let's go. Let's follow God. And, you know, you know I'm trusting the Lord for her to kind of find her happiness in life, you know. And, um, and then the wheels started coming off, um, and then she started getting distant, distant at home. And then I, I perceived that there, there was a problem. And, uh, and then one day I knew something's wrong. And I confronted her and I said, what's going on here? And it came out she, uh, she got romantically involved with her boss at work. And, you know, um, yeah, that was a hard day um, because... It wasn't like she was saying, man, I'm so sorry it happened once and, uh, you know, it'll never happen again. You know, can, can we make it work? She was like, I don't want this marriage, you know. I'm feeling caged. I never had a, a youth 
She wanted to start clubbing and go experience life, you know, just do things that young people did. And in that, guys, I just want to encourage you, you know, those that are dating from young age, allow each other to do the things they want to do in life. You know, don't, don't, don't in a sense, don't pick a fruit before it's, before it's ripe or, to, or hold someone or squash someone. It's one of the hard lessons I learned, you know. But, uh, and so my wife started rebelling within the institution of marriage, man, and she rebelled. You know, she didn't want to go to church anymore. Um, and it was, it was really tough. And then it, it, it you know, it, 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 really got, it really got ugly. She just kind of wanted to be with this other guy. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and then she moved out of the house. And, uh, and I, yeah, I stayed for yeah, good six or eight months on my own in my house in Pretoria and, and kind of, it's like this bomb just hit me, you know, um, didn't see it coming. Um, and eventually after a lot of effort, I, I actually got her to agree to just go for some counseling and they got us like really good counselors there in Pretoria, um, but after I think it was the second or the third session, this counselor just told me, you're wasting your money. She doesn't want this marriage. Um, crying like crazy, everything, because she knows what she's doing is, you know, is not right. And um, people in church are talking to her, but she, eventually they flew up the leaders from our CS and then came up and spoke to the church and said, what's going on here is, is not right. And, you know... Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it it kind of it just completely degenerated. And I was just waiting and waiting, waiting. Eventually, he just saying to me, "You can't just wait for her forever. You know, you can't just wait like this on your own uh, forever. You know, you kind of your your life needs to go on." And so after the counselling failed and a lot of things failed, um, she eventually got the courage to divorce me. Um, and uh, even sitting that day there with the attorneys, somehow I managed to be a Christian attorney in this. God just looks at us and says, why? Why are you guys divorcing? You know, she, this, the, the professional attorney says, I'm going to leave you. You guys talk now for 20 minutes. And hopefully, you know, later you change your mind. Um, and it's again crying and tears. And she didn't want anything out of the marriage. No assets, nothing. She just wants out. Just wants to be free. Um, and so eventually it went through. Guys and I, yeah, eventually... She filed, she filed for the divorce in the day and court came through. And I, I remember getting that call in the parking lot of the place I was working in Pretoria and hearing that I had been, I'm divorced now. Man, I remember driving on the, the N1 there back to the east and uh, just crying in the car and just saying, actually being angry with the Lord, saying, God, me, divorce, written over my life. I'd never get divorced. You know, I, I was willing to wait. I was willing to do whatever it takes why must this happen to me? Why must I get the label that I've been divorced? And there weren't answers then, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. There were lonely nights. There were nights, I can tell you, when I'm lying, I'm crying in my bed. I'm saying, God, you know what? I'd rather go to heaven now. It's, it's hell on earth. Rather just take me out. I want to go back to you. Because that's what I'm going through on, on earth. It's a living hell. And you can't explain it to somebody that's not been through, through divorce because it's not like somebody died. That person's still around. They're still, you're still interacting with them and you, know, you still go, you know, bump into them at shopping malls and things. It's really, really hard um, going through, through a divorce. And uh, I really hit a low. People would see me you know, and I was this worship leader guy. And yeah, I couldn't even lead worship anymore. You know? um, 
And, I, and I, in a sense, I became I spiritually dead. People would see me as just like, it's nothing. It's nothing there. And I self-regulated, stepped down from ministry, all ministry, and um, in a sense, just became a member in the church, sat at the back. To be honest with you, I didn't even feel like being in church. I was asking a lot of questions. I knew I would never reject God. I knew I'd never do that. I knew I wouldn't go on the drink or drugs or sleep around or anything. I never, never did any of that. But I must tell you, there was some serious, hey, God, what happened here? You know? Now, 50, what are we now? 12 years later, I can look back and I can see all the, all of the wrong things that I did. Now, now they're pretty obvious. Back then, it was just like, God, what's happening? It's like this the storm just came and it's just destroyed my life. God, this is embarrassing. You know, I have to tell my family, my friends, hey guys, my wife's divorcing me. And so I, re- I hit a real low, but you know what the amazing thing was? The church was there for me, and there were friends in the church, and they invited me Monday nights at 8 there, Thursday nights at 8 there. Didn't say much, just let me just be around them. And, um, and then I got a dream one night. And, um, and in the dream, the Lord just gave me these words, quantum leap. Quantum leap, I don't even know what quantum leap means. Kind of went and looked it up and kind of just reflected on that. And then one morning in church, um, I'm sitting in church, and after the church, there's a guy called uh, Chris Jacobs, his brother's T.N.C. Jacobs. Chris Jacobs, I think he was in this church maybe even for a while. And Barry Drochke, I think he was also in this church for a while. Um, Chris comes up to me, says he's got a prophetic word for me. He's got a prophetic action that he needs to do on me. He says, sit like this and make your arms straight like this. And he says, I'm going to do a prophetic action over you now and then, and then I'll pray over you. And they lifted me up by my arms and they took me from one, one part of the hall and they went and put me on the other side of the hall. And that's what happened, guys. I didn't want to see another lady for, I don't know, how long. Um... And the Lord restored, but He didn't just restore. He restored quickly. He restored much quicker than what I thought, you know. And, and I was so nervous of kind of jumping into to, to, to anything fast again. But, but the Lord came, and it's like He literally took, it's like I was driving on my little bicycle, and I, the wheel came off, and I fell in a hut there. And he, it's like He came, and He picked me up out of that path, and He went, and He put me on another path, and He said, there you go, cycle, traputi. You know, and I was like, "Yo, I didn't think I'd be be kind of." And, and obviously, the Lord had to do a lot of restoration um, in me. But um, God restored in such a massive way. He brought a beautiful, this beautiful lady into my life, Jolene. God knows why she would be interested in a in a divorced man. God knows. Only He knows that He would prepare this young, beautiful woman. Um, to be even think contemplating getting involved with a divorced guy, you know, and um, and so we started kind of seeing each other at like weddings, and eventually we we um, we went together and a bunch of communal friends. We went to the Sterkfontein Dam. Does anyone know where that is? Sterkfontein. I think it's there near Clarence or somewhere, and um, and uh, kind of just interacting, and then I could could pick up there was a bit of interest from there and I was just like man it was just after this drought of 
in a sense, you feel like nobody loves you or cares, you know. Um, you know, there's, there's this, this beautiful girl that's, that's interested in you. And, um, and so we watched the stars that night. <laughs> the beautiful stars. Uh, and, 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 and then kind of a friendship started then. Eventually, I, I asked her out and um, I invited her to my house in Pretoria. And, uh, <coughs> and uh, I said... I set up the church sound system and I sang and, and played her a song. <laughs> I wrote her a song and then I sang it for her. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the easiest song I've ever written. It just, it just like came. It's like, it was amazing. And it's a song I've sang for many times and on our wedding and anniversaries and things like that. Um, and so God restored in my life, but he restored in, in a massive way. And Pastor William, who came to preach there, William Carizan, came to Pretoria, and he, he prayed for me one night as, as we were just kind of meeting, and he, he prophesied over me, and he said, um, God is going to make a point of restoring and blessing you. At first I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, I receive it. People, he's done that. I can't, I can't claim anything. Um, my life was a mess. I'd hit some serious trouble. And God came and he restored, restored in a big way. You know, one of the hardest things for me while I was kind of on those final few weeks of divorce and pleading with my wife to, to reconsider, my first wife to reconsider, one of the hardest things, and I said this to her, I said, you know, you know what just hurts me even more than losing you? So I had this picture in my mind of us having kids and I saw my kids and I'm losing that as well. That was hard for me. That was hard. Realizing that, um, that I'm losing a lot here. Because I had dreams. I had a different picture. She saw a different picture. I saw a different picture. I saw us doing ministry together. I saw our kids. And that rug got, uh, got pulled, pulled away from me. I want to close off with um, a short little clip that I had made for my 40th last year. Um, we're going <laughs> to... I'm not going to show you the first 20 years of my life because that's not the point of this, this testimony. Um, so we'll pick it up from when I was in my first band and uh, I still had hair and everything. Don't get a fright. And so thanks, Emmanuel, if you can just roll that for us. Checking through that clip yesterday, man. Just uh, tears of thankfulness coming again. I can testify that God restores people. And some of you are sitting here this morning, a picture showed me, uh, Holy Spirit showed me in the worship was, just like I got wounded. Some of you are sitting here with wounds this morning. Um, and you've put on a plaster here, the place that I opened But the picture the Holy Spirit showed me is that um, it's not healed. It's not healed. It's, it's not the right color underneath the plaster. It's the... the you think it's all right, but it's not all right. Um, and I just felt him saying that the Holy Spirit wants to come in and he just wants to, we spoke about a table this morning, coming to the Lord's table. I believe the Lord wants us in a sense, some of us need to come to the operating table and the Holy Spirit wants to do a cleansing of, a, of hurts that, that you're not even aware of, that you think are all right. You've put a plaster on it. You took a knock somewhere. Maybe it was a, a romantic disappointment. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a family Family fight, some some relational problem. 
Forgiveness is the other issue. Guys, it took me a long time to forgive the man that got involved with my wife the first time. The the first day that I heard about it, I drove in my car and I phoned him and I said, "I'm I'm on my way. Praise God he wasn't there, you know, because he was much bigger than me. <laughs> but I was willing, man. I was willing to throw the punches. Do you know what I'm saying? I was willing to throw the punches. It took me a long time, and I said, yes, I've forgiven him. I've forgiven him. Obviously, you know, I need to, to forgive. But I thought, how am I going to respond? When I bump into him at the, at the Quaker or the shopping mall, I'm not going to give him my hand. I'm just going to be cold. Lord, see me, then you haven't forgiven him. It took me a long time. It took me a long time to come to a place where I know that when I see him today, if I bump into him today, I've never seen him since then. If I bump into him, I'm going to give him my hand, I'm going to smile at him and say, how's it going? Then I know I've forgiven him. There's people saying, yeah, forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is some, it's, it's a hard thing. Sometimes you've, you've been done injustice. And the Lord's challenge is, you need to forgive because I've forgiven you. I want to bring that before you as well. So, Maybe as the, the band leads us in the last song. It's the end of your relationship week. We could have said a lot about relationships. The two or three little things I want to leave with you. Is, ladies, help your husbands one day. Ladies that are married, help your husbands. It's going to bless your husband immensely. It's going to bless God even more. Okay, Husbands, praise your wife. Speak well of her. Let it be in your mouth that you speak well of each other at home. And lastly, learn from my false start. You know, I did a lot of things wrong. Give that little plant that's called your marriage, that's called your relationship, give it water. Not every month. Give it water often. Look after the relationships God has given you. Not just romantic relationships. Some of you need to go back to your families. You haven't spoken to your sister or your brother for a while. There's offense, there's hurt. I'm the testament that God can restore. God can restore. He's, he's a restorer. He takes the broken, the stuff that's fallen and, and lying in a mess there and everybody else in a sense is written off and labeled. God's the one that goes and picks that up. Dusts them off. Does some surgery and sets them on their way again. Guys, we, we need to be sensitive also to people that have been through divorces, you know. Society is quick to judge people that have been through divorces. Yes, and people mess up and they do the wrong things. But let me tell you, it's hard. It's hard when there's people in our circles, people we interact with that are going through divorces. Ask the Lord before you say and just judge. Ask them. Ask him just to give you some insight of the pain that the, the, the road that they're walking. Yes, they do. They make mistakes. They need to repent. They need to turn back to God. But just for some compassion for people going, not just through divorces, but relational hurts. So what I want us to do as we end, I want you to turn to the person next to you. Maybe something this morning that I've shared has resonated in your heart. Maybe you sitting with unforgiveness. Maybe you that person that needs to pull off that plaster and say, God, okay, today... I invite your Holy Spirit to, to clean this wound once and for all so that it can heal properly. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you need to forgive somebody this morning. God is into relationships, people. It's the only thing that matters really in the end, apart from our salvation. Amen.
So let's, let's turn to the person next to you. If there's something that's resonated, share that. Be as bold to share that with that person. And let's pray. Okay. Before we um, have communion, thank you, Richard, for sharing with us, for having the courage to share your journey and uh, your pain, but also God's restoration. I mean, that, that should really give us hope. You know, probably a few of you are sitting here um, and your life has been affected by divorce. Um, either you've been through a divorce and you know the pain that Richard was referring to. You know that, you know, I've heard it said many times that um, in a sense divorce is, is more painful than death. Because with death, the death of a loved one, there's finality. Um, there's closure, but with divorce often there isn't. And, and maybe you've been through divorce and you know that pain and the devastation and the feeling, um, you know, Richard was talking about of, you know, is it ever going to, am I ever going to be normal again? <laughs> is every, is, are things going to get right again? Is, is there any hope? Maybe you know, know that feeling. And, and I hope that what Richard shared and just Richard's his, his life is an encouragement to you that God, you, you're never too far for God to save you. You're never too broken for God to heal you. You're never too sinful for God to forgive you. Maybe you're a child and your parents were divorced and you know that devastation of going through divorce as a, as a child where your parents divorced and you don't understand it. You, you, you're not even an adult and, and there's that brokenness and you just feel that terrible pain of maybe it's my fault. You know, didn't I do enough to keep my parents together? Um, you know, I've, I've, I haven't been through this myself. I'm, I'm just speculating, but I can just imagine the terrible pain that children go through. And, and, and children have less defenses than adults. You, you, you have less opportunity to understand it and work through it. And, and maybe that pain is still there. Maybe that's part of what Richard was talking about. You've, you, you've put the plasters on it. You, you've band-aided it as well as you can. But maybe there's, there's a hurt and a festering under the band-aid and, and, and needs to, the Holy Spirit needs to pull it off and open that wound and, and just do surgery on you and healing. But, but the good news is God can. God can heal. There's no pain, no hurt that is too deep for God to heal. God can heal it. He has done it before and He can do it again. And, 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 and here's the, the, the encouragement and, and just the in a sense, a bit of a warning I want to give to you. Unless you allow the Holy Spirit to heal that pain of divorce, whether it's a divorce you've been through or a divorce that your parents went through, unless you allow God to heal that hurt, you're going to propagate that hurt. The reality is that hurting people hurt people. And if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to heal you, that hurt that you feel is going to cause you to hurt other people. It's inevitable. And, and, and I really want to encourage you, you know, with all the compassion and all the love in my heart, pursue the healing of the Lord. Receive the healing of the Lord. And then just one other thing I, I want to mention. There's a story in, in the Old Testament of a prophet named Amos. 
God instructed him to go and marry a prostitute, basically. And uh, what she did was, in the end, she divorced him. And then God said, and, and, and what happened was, she was eventually, she ended up in slavery. And, and the guy that, that she was in slavery with, um, I can't remember the details of the story. He abused her and God said, go and buy her back and marry her again. And you know why God did that? God said to Amos, you're not just going to speak a prophetic message. You're going to live a prophetic message because that is what I do to my people every day. The reality is we are all like Amos's wife, Gomer. All of us, every single one of us. Spiritually speaking, we're all divorcees. All of us. All of us at some stage have turned away from God. All of us at some stage have betrayed God and been unfaithful to God and sinned against God. Every single one of us. And all of us, God like Amos goes back to us. And he buys us out of the slavery that we've got ourselves into. He redeems us. He pays the ransom for our deliverance and he marries us again. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That is what we celebrate when we have communion. We we celebrate the terrible price that our spiritual husband paid to buy us out of slavery so he could marry us again. And that should do two things to us. Number one, it should cause us not to stand in judgment over people who have gone through divorce in the spiritual, uh, in in the natural, because spiritually we're all divorcees. But on the other hand, it should make us so thankful to God that he was willing to still love us and willing to pay that price, his own death on the cross, so he could redeem us out of the slavery we got ourselves into so that he could marry us again. Isn't it amazing how much he loves us? Isn't it amazing how, um, how powerfully he can redeem us? That grace is available to all of us. And let's, as we eat together and drink together, let's receive that grace. Jesus, we thank you that through your brokenness, your broken body, your broken soul, your broken spirit, when you were crushed on the cross, we can receive healing from all the brokenness that we carry with us. And Lord Jesus, with deep thankfulness, Lord, we just want to receive that healing now. We want to repent, Lord of all the sins that we've committed against you that have caused so much brokenness, all the sins that we've committed against one another that have caused so much brokenness. Please forgive us and please heal us. In Jesus' name, let's eat together. we thank you that your blood was shed the most costly currency ever used to buy anyone or anything was shed for us the dearest price the life of the innocent and perfect son of God was given for us 
Thank you that that is how much you wanted us, despite the fact that we betrayed you and that we committed adultery against you, that we lay in the arms of other lovers. And Lord, not only did we not come and search for you, but you came to search for us and you brought us back at the highest price. Thank you, Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. You died for us. We will live for you. Thank you for your blood, which frees us, which cleanses us, which saves us. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, for every person here who still has a thought in their mind that they've done too much, they cannot be forgiven. I pray that they will receive your forgiveness now in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. I just want to invite you. Just those three things. If you've been through a divorce yourself and you need healing, come forward, let us pray for you. If, if you've been through a divorce as a child, your parents divorced, you need prayer, come forward. If you realize now that you've been through a divorce spiritually with God and you've, you've never actually made it right or maybe now as we were having communion you say you, you say to God Lord I'm making right with you I want to in a sense be in covenant with you again but you, if you want prayer for that please come forward um, we would like to pray for you so just, just get up where you are now bring your handbag and your Bible or whatever with you if you need prayer for what, anything whatsoever just come forward we're going to trust the Lord to heal I really sense that the Holy Spirit is here present here this morning to bring healing to bring restoration to restore hope so take this opportunity now and come forward and let the Lord do what only He can do in your life bring healing I'm, there's this um, place in one of the Gospels where um, Jesus is ministering to the crowd and it says, and the power of God was present to heal. And then Jesus started healing people. And, and I, I want to tell you this morning right now, the power of God is present to heal. And it might be wounds that are years, that have, are, are years old, maybe even decades old. And maybe even to some extent you have started to deal with it. But um, maybe there's just a work that the Lord wants to finish. So just come forward for whatever it is. And um, we're going to trust the Lord for healing. So as we pray for everyone here in the front, can I just ask for some facilitators and um, people who can help us pray to come forward as well. Um, I'm just going to pray and, and close the service. And if you... If you need to go, you're welcome to go. We're going to have some coffee and tea outside. You're welcome to join us for fellowship. Um, if you want to stay and, and just sit in your seat or stand here up front and, and pray for healing, let's trust. Let's trust the Lord for healing and let's receive the healing that the Lord has for us. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are, you are that God, Lord. You are the God who saves. You are the God who redeems. You are the God who heals. Lord, and we come to you this morning Lord as as hurting and broken people and we ask you for your healing for your restoration Lord we need 
we need you to apply the miracle of the cross to our lives, Lord. We, we need to bring our brokenness so that we can receive your healing and your wholeness. We need to bring our sinfulness so that we can receive your sinless perfection and forgiveness. And we thank you that we can just, by faith, receive that now. Not because we deserve it, but because you are gracious and you freely offer it to those who don't deserve it. Lord, I just speak your blessing over every single person here this morning. And I pray that we will go in peace, in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.com. Dot Jarberg.